Some of you more than others. Don't have to ask, you know it. And we are on the first day of 2023. By the way, congratulations on your 100% attendance this year. As of right now, you've attended every service. It's a very good start. I don't know how you're going to finish, but you have started well. 2022 had it ups and it had it down, some way worse than others. And now we're on the first day of 2023, so you know what that proves? Truly is, His grace was sufficient. He got you through another one. Now, I don't have to ask you, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Your 2023... It's going to have ups, it's going to have downs. And I've checked his track record. His grace will be sufficient to get you through the next one. Aren't you thankful for a God that brought in a new covenant? I don't know if I could keep a knife sharp enough to have to sacrifice all the animals that you guys would bring on a Sunday morning. Thank God for the new covenant. Thank God for a new heart, because in case you didn't know it, the heart is exceedingly wicked. I don't know how your physical heart is, but I know how your spiritual heart was, exceedingly wicked. And aren't you glad that He can give you a new heart? Thankful for the new creation, because if anyone be in Christ, the old's gone, the new has come. Thankful for the new song. That's what the psalmist said. And you give me a new song. When you get saved, you get a new song. And I always was under the impression you heard a song. But according to the psalmist, I will give you a new song and many people will see it. Because they see it, many will believe and be saved. You know, people can be saved if they can see your new song. And then how about this? Because of the new covenant, the new heart, and the new creation, and the new song, one day you'll get a new Jerusalem. You know, people always, boy, Rob, you, you ought to go to Jerusalem. You ought to go. I said, well, I'm going. Oh, really? I said, yes. One Tuesday morning in an old Mack truck, I made arrangements. Well, when are you going? I said, oh, I don't have no idea. Son of man don't even know. Folks, I'm going to the new Jerusalem. This old Jerusalem, it's got hospitals, it's got cemeteries, it's got sickness. Tell you the one I've got an appointment with, the one I'm waiting for, don't have none of that. It's the new Jerusalem. Amen. And that's just stuff new he can give us, but he has given us a new year too. So here we are. I've got a message, but I don't know how to title it. So I'm going to give you a choice. Does anybody remember Paul Harvey? ABC radio host. Famous for now. The rest of the story. Because we just come through Christmas. And if you just speak on the birth of Jesus, 
you don't have the whole story. So I thought about titling today's message after Paul Harvey. Now, for the rest of the story. But where I found the rest of the story was simply in 1 Timothy. You ready for this? Chapter 3. Ready for this? Verse 16. So I thought about titling it, The Other 316. I thought both of them was pretty decent titles. The rest of the story or the other 316. You title it, I'm going to preach it. You ready? The rest of the story, the other 316. It says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now the world, opposite of the word of God, would tell us what? A lot of controversy. Consider them Christians and what is godliness. What Paul just say? Without controversy. Ain't no controversy. And then he goes on to tell us the first part of the story. The incarnation of Jesus. God was manifested in the flesh. Now I've been hung up and high centered on what that man, one preacher put it. God wrapped himself in flesh and moved into our neighborhood. You can't say it any plainer. You can't say it any simpler than that. And the reason that Jesus wrapped Himself in the flesh and come to this place is we was in the dark, I preached that, and we was without hope. And the word manifest simply means to make visible that which is invisible. So what happened on that first Christmas, an invisible God wrapped Himself in human flesh, moved into our neighborhood, and become visible. One little boy was painting a picture of God, and his dad said, nobody knows what God looks like. And the little boy said, they will when I get done. We know what God looked like because He did more than paint a picture. He sent Him. He was manifested in the flesh because we was in the dark and we had no hope. Now, I want you to think about what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. When he says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who've died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. See, a lot of people, a people of hope, they knew what Christmas was about, and that's the birth of Christ. But there's a bunch of people at Christmas time, it's just another opportunity to eat, drink, party up, and be merry. You got that? So there was one that knows what Christmas is all about. They are a people of hope. Because they know the person of hope that come wrapped in human flesh and moved into our neighborhood. His name is Jesus. 
And then there's the people that don't believe in Jesus and they have no hope. And so the Apostle Paul's trying to straighten this out with the church at Thessalonica. Now, I believe God puts in us a desire to live. That's why people, even though they've trusted Jesus on their deathbeds, still fight for life. God put that in us. And I believe you can fight it off. Not long, but you can fight it off for a bit. The reason I believe that is I went to my grandpa and grandma's house on the morning she called and said, it's your grandpa, he's not doing good. I'm the one that turned his oxen machine all the way up and sat beside his bed and began to talk to him and hold his hand. And the calls to the families was made. It's not good. It's not good. And so kids, grandkids, siblings all began to rush to my grandpa's house. And when they get there, they would come in, if you will, to say their last goodbyes. Everybody staying with me. But there was one son, Steve, that had done left in the truck. I'm assuming before cell phone days because they had to head him off somewhere around the Skytooker Collinsville area. And my grandpa was informed Steve was done gone, but they've caught him and he's turned around. Now I'm talking too weak to talk, too weak to communicate. Every other family member had been there. And I can remember sitting beside his bed, looking out his bedroom window when Steve pulled in. I can remember when Steve walked by his bedroom window, me just saying, Steve's made it. Steve walked in the house, walked in that bedroom, Robert, give him a hug, said his last goodbyes, and within just a few minutes. You'll never convince me because of where I sat, And what I've seen, that my grandpa didn't fight death tooth and nail to say his last goodbye to that boy that arrived last. You with me? With that in mind, the church at Thessalonica, you with me? They knew Jesus was coming. And in their minds, if we can fight death off, Until Jesus comes back, we can escape hell and make heaven. That's what they thought. We've got to live till He comes back. If we don't, we don't make it. And so can you imagine how they was fighting off death? Man, if we can just fight it, Jesus will make it. Jesus will make it. If we can just... So they was fighting death. But now, imagine being one of the family members, Miss Georgia. If you believed that and they didn't fight it off, you had no hope. So that's why he said, I don't want you guys to be ignorant just because you die before Jesus gets back. Don't sorrow as others who have no hope. That ain't how it's going to work. And then he begins to break it down for us. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. You know what he just said? If somebody would have walked in here with me today, you know what they'd had to done? They'd had to been with me to. I mean, if they'd have come in, they'd had to be. The real soul of a believer goes immediately to be with Jesus, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Their soul, their body, gets put in a grave. Are you with me? And he's trying to straighten that out. The real soul's already in heaven. That ought to be comforting to you, folks, this morning. You are a people of hope. Now look here. 
But he said, some people don't have that hope. And then people that don't have that hope, when one of their loved ones die, where do they turn? You know, this week I was talking to a guy that runs stockers. And he just said, you remember 2014 and 15? I said, I actually do. I run on to some receipts where we sold some steers in, in, in August that year that brought $1,586 for a 500-pound steer, over $3 a pound. That's what I said. Wow. Need another dose of that. Look here. He said, you know, you remember that, but as a processor, he said, let me tell you how miserable it was. I had, and I can't remember if he said 200 or 400, but he had all these cattle processes, and he said, the bad thing when they cost that much, when I walk out there and one's belly up, that's 1,500. He said, when I would walk out there and see two or three that need to be pulled, doctored, he said, by the time I pulled two or three and doctored, and I'd look back out there, and by the time I looked back out there, there'd be three more that need to be doctored. He said, I'd have to go to town, man. You know what I'm saying? I said, I don't know what you're saying. He said, I have to go to town. He said, I couldn't deal with it. You know what I mean? I said, no, I don't know what you mean. Liquor store is what I mean. And he said, and then I would come back, and there would be three or four more belly up within an hour. That's how long it would take me to go to the liquor store, he said. And by the time I drug them three or four off and doctored another 10 or 12... I'd have to go back to town. I knew what he meant then. You say, why do you say that to us, preacher? Folks, if losing cattle, the death of cattle, sends people to the liquor store to deal with it, the people without Jesus, how much more the death of a loved one's driving them to the alcohol and driving them to the prescription drugs to deal with it. And Jesus... He looked down from heaven and saw that. A people with no hope how to deal with death. And you know what he done? He just wrapped himself in human flesh. He said, I'm going to go down there. Then people don't have no hope. And I'm going to give them hope. And I'm going to show them how to beat death. That is the incarnation of Jesus. We was without hope. Aren't you glad the person of hope and his name is Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad he came? Or we'd all be looking to the bottle and looking to the pills. Amen. So we see the incarnation of Jesus, but here's the rest of the story, because that's the Christmas story, right? Here's the other 316 and the rest of the story. It's not just the incarnation of Jesus, it's the resurrection of Jesus. Look right there, the next line says, justified in the Spirit. Now what's happened right there in that verse, Dave, we had Christmas and Easter back to back. Now, I know on the calendar it's a little farther from that, but God manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit. What we just had is Christmas and Easter. Bam. Because justified in the Spirit is speaking of the resurrection. Now, look here. Did Jesus have a right and just trial? What did He have? A mock trial. So if you have a mock trial, then you have a mock trial. Verdict. So look here. See, they're calling him a liar. They're calling him a lunatic. And they say, he's blaspheming. Can you imagine in the courtroom? He claimed to be God. Let me tell you something, folks. If you're God, you can go ahead and claim to be God. And he was God. And so they have a mock trial, they get a mock verdict, and that means execute him, that means kill him. Is everybody staying hooked? The wages of sin 
is death. Guilty of sinning, you die. Got it? But God, He's the real judge, not them. He's sitting high and He's looking low, and they're saying He's guilty. But listen, God knew what Judas said about Him was true. What did Judas say about Him? I betrayed innocent blood. Pilate said, I find no fault in Him. So God's sitting there saying, they, they got it. He, he's not guilty. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased when he was baptized. So listen, he's a just and a holy God. There is no sin in Jesus. So look here. I'm the last judge. I'm the only judge. And so guess what? Spirit, he's not guilty. The wages of death, wages of sin is death. He should have never died. Go down there and get him out of that grave. He's innocent. Justified in the spirit. He wasn't guilty, so he rose from the dead. Aren't you glad we've got a resurrected Savior? Even when men was having a mock trial, God is just and he's got the last say. Now, this next point, look here. The rest of the story. The other 316. God manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit. But how about the observation of Jesus? Look at it. Seen by the angels. Do you know what Peter says about that? 1 Peter 1.12, it says, The angels desire to look into the things of God. In case you didn't know it, the angels have a desire to figure this thing out between this relationship of God and man and this creation. These angels, they just have a desire to look in. And do you know angels never had to be saved? They never was have, headed to hell. And they praise God like no other. Don't you think they probably look down on us and think, if I was going to hell and I was delivered from the wide road that leads to destruction, I was put on the narrow road that leads to life. I think my worship would be a little better than them folks down there. Theirs is better and they never had that. But here's what gets me. Have you ever thought that, that right here, this point is going to be enough for you to be here today and be challenged? Have you ever thought about the angels and their involvement in, in the life of Jesus. Have you ever thought about it? In the Old Testament, many times we read about the angels, but the one that I love more than anything is in Isaiah 6 when he's sitting, he's high and lifted up in the temple, and the angels are singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. We see him all through there. But I see it. But listen here. Wasn't it an angel that God dispatched to Mary? Wasn't it? Hey, go down there and announce to her that I'm going to use her to give birth to my son. That was an angel, right? Wasn't it an angel when, when Joseph got all shook up about thinking she had messed around? Didn't God dispatch an angel down there to tell Joseph, Hey, it's just like she said, go ahead and take her as your wife. Wasn't that an angel? Who went and out there into those fields when those shepherds was watching their flocks? Who went out there? Oh, yeah, the preacher. Oh, Preacher Dave went out there to announce to the... Who was it? It was the angels. 
Come on. Then Jesus grew and He was baptized and He went in and done battle with Satan in the wilderness. And when He come out of that battle, was it the preacher that come and ministered to Jesus? The angels came and ministered to Jesus. And when you go ahead and you continue to read, I'm just telling you, the angels was at Gethsemane. When you continue to read from Gethsemane, there used to be a song, there used to be a show. Who are you going to call? He said, Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Have this ever occurred to you? If Jesus would have changed his mind and said, I'm going to let you go to hell. It's in the scriptures. Who would he have called? What did he tell him? I'm laying my life down. By the way, I could call the angels of heaven. He's going to call Ghostbusters. Some of you going to call your mom. Some of you going to call your dad. Some of you going to call this one and that one. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible tells us real cleanly, Jesus would have called upon the angels. And you'll never convince me they wasn't ready just like this. Have you ever thought about the angels and their involvement? Huh? That's who he could have called upon had he changed his mind. Now listen. Now wasn't there wasn't a show. Who is that masked man? And they got that wrestling. Me and my wife, we, we love WW. We'll watch that stuff. Not really. We don't I don't even know what the WW the next letters are. Yeah, my wife loves it. I don't. I she have to tell when she comes in tonight, you folks ask her who won the Friday night smackdown or whatever or something, see what she says. Well, I can get sidetracked so easy when my mind. Who is that masked man? Look here. Who was it sitting on that stone when the ladies got to the tomb? Was it a preacher? Was it one of the disciples? Who was that masked man? It was an angel. Come on. Who was it when those two men stood there gazing up to heaven when Jesus was taken back to heaven. Who was it? There they were again. The angels. And when Jesus comes again, who's going to be riding right along beside Him? I'll let you in on it. The angels. So if you didn't come for nothing else, let us learn something about our observation of Jesus. It seems to me, Miss Terry, that the eyes of the angels are always on Jesus. They don't ever take them off. Are we instructed to do the same? Look unto Jesus. That's what the Hebrew writer said. Who is the author and finisher of your faith. You know what he says to you and I? Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and he's the finisher of your faith. You know what the psalmist said? I will lift my eyes into the hills from whence my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. You know what the scripture tells you and I? Tells us to do the same thing the angels does. And that is to keep your 
eyes fixed on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You want to have a walking on water type year in 2023? Learn from Peter's mistake. When he was forbid, or when he was told by Jesus to come on, walk on the water, his eyes was on Jesus. He was walking on the water, but all of a sudden, he wasn't like the angels. He took his eyes off the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and his eyes saw the storm and how boisterous it was, and he began to sink. Hear me out. Listen. Keep your eyes upon Jesus in 2023, and I'm not going to preach from an empty head in a closed book. You got some storms coming, but when they come, keep your eyes on Jesus, and you can walk on top of your storm, on top of your circumstances, and not sink in them. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. The angels do. But get this one. They're always there ready to serve, waiting for orders from headquarters. I just begin in my sanctified imagination this morning to think if it had been something like this in heaven, God, hey, come here, angel comes over. I need you to go down there and tell Mary I'm fixing to put my son in her womb. Now, if that had been a Baptist church, Baptist angel, he'd have said, "Do you know it's football? Do you know it's college bowl season? Don't that usually happen right around Christmas? Do you not know me and four of the angels was planning on going to Buffalo Wild Wings? Do you not realize that it is right smack dab in the middle of bowl season, God?" And me and these four angels have, there's four games on, and if you go to Buffalo Wild Wings, you can watch all four of them, and you don't have to. Do you realize that, God? Now, you're looking at me like, that's the goofiest thing I've ever heard of. Well, how about your excuses of not serving, being just as goofy as that is? They never make an excuse. Hang on, God, I'm just in the middle of my praise service. Well, I need you to go pray and minister to that person. Hang on, I'm just praising God. Let me tell you about the angels. Their eyes are on Jesus. And they can teach us something about serving Jesus. Because when He says do it, they don't need to be any kind of excuse. We just need to get to serving. Amen. I think if you only come for the point of the angels, it was good enough today. But then after the observation of Jesus, then look here. Then there's the proclamation of Jesus. Look at verse 16. Preached among the Gentiles. And, and remember who he said would be, who, who need to preach it among the Gentiles? Remember when, the, when, the, when, when Jesus ascended? You shall be my witnesses. Right here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Remember me saying in my sanctified, what if the guy said, wait a minute, God, and, and, and Jesus Stops the cloud. And then two guys say, what if this don't work? And Jesus would have looked at him and said, it's the only plan I got. See, for some reason, we, we don't take that serious. And the Great Commission, and, and I preach this till I'm blue in the face. If there's ever one thing that's on my heart, here it is. The Great Commission is as you go. As you live your life, you are to make disciples of all nations. 
That's sharing your faith. That's leading and loving people to the Lord. Are you with me? So a few weeks ago, do you guys remember when I was kind of shaggy here a few weeks and looked like my haircut was like past due for, for a few days? Anybody remember that? Travis does, and there was two people at Telco. I said, yes. So the rest of you is a bunch of liars. You won't tell the truth. But look here. My barber, who said she'd never come to church, third row early service, I didn't say nothing about my hair. I'm walking out, and she says, look. And I said, what? She said, no, look, listen. If you're too busy to get down to the shop, I will come to your house and cut your hair. I said, you think I'm, in, you think I'm due a haircut? She said, over. I walked away, and I just turned around. And I said, why don't you just bring your stuff and cut it next week while I preach? But look here. You know how my mind works? You don't, but let me tell you how it works. So I take about ten steps, and all I'm thinking is, I want her to cut my hair while I preach. Because if there's anything on my heart, I would want people to understand what proclaiming Jesus and the Great Commission as you go. So you know what I done? I called her. I said, can you get, if we move the pulpit, can you put a barber chair on the stage at, at church? She said, what? I said, I'm just wondering if we mic you up And I'm mic'd up. Can you ignore the crowd? And can you, can you make it just like it is when I come and get my hair cut? Can our conversation be just like it is down at your shop at the 8 o'clock, the 9.30, and the prior campus service? She said, what are you, what are you talking about? I said, I want people to realize as we go, why are you in church? She said, because of those conversations. I said, I just think it'd be a great object lesson. I think maybe, maybe a light would come on to people. That's where it started. It didn't start here. It started with me plopping down there and her beginning to cut my hair and me intentionally waiting for some, somewhere to get Jesus preached because she's a Gentile. And if it was a Jewish girl cutting my hair, I'd have preached it. But the, the text says preached among the Gentiles. I'd have preached it to a Jewish barber too. But look here. It's as you go. And she said, I, it'd be hard, but I guess we could try it. And then I got to thinking I'd look like Bob if she cut my hair three times on a Sunday morning. I mean, I, I thought, that ain't going to work. By the time I get to prior, man, I walk out of prior. I come in looking like Rob at 8 o'clock telecorn. I walk out looking like Bob at, at the, sorry, Bob. You wouldn't charge me. <laughs> but look, it wouldn't that that's why she's there. And it ain't just me. There was a Ray Barnes. There was a Glenn Clark. There was a Curtis Shankel. You know what people was doing? As they went. And, and Thursday, it was kind of a hectic schedule. The truck driver with a load of hay from uh, Illinois is coming in. And he says, I'm going to be about there 7 o'clock Wednesday night. I said, won't work. He said, and I said, you're going to have to be there at daylight Thursday. I got a funeral at one, and I got to meet a guy that afternoon. And so, you know what my Thursday last week was? You know what kind of opportunities? It, it was a fast day. But Dan, that's the truck driver from Show Me Trucking. You know what? I got to share Jesus with him to find out he had done accepted Jesus. 
But that was as I was unloading a load of hay. And then I, I go to that funeral, and at Hart Funeral Home, I don't know how many people has been down there, at, 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 but they set me way back in the corner, and it's like all the people are from here to Trent and Marissa, and they make me sit back there in that corner. And I'm back there, and I've got my message all ready for this funeral, and I'm thinking, I hope they can hear me, God. Well, they set me back here in this corner, God. And he said, well, well, listen, you don't need to preach that message, and you don't have to sit there. It's probably the first funeral that I ever completely changed every direction I was going, and I know it's the first funeral that I got right out and stood about this close to the front row and preached that message. I know you don't preach many funerals, but God just put on my heart back there when I was so far away from them. As you go, and young man, you just happen to be at a funeral today, go ahead and preach Jesus. And I preached the first 316 to them. But then I was spiffied up for that funeral. I had these boots on, good-looking boots, huh? I had some starched jeans on and I had my you guys like that I've been wearing them sports coats oh man and now I've got a sweater for some reason they just get me all this stuff and tell me wear it <laughs> and and so I get done with the funeral and I've got my boots and I've got my sport coat on and I've got my good hat not the one with the crease in it bow I've got my good hat on and as soon as that funeral's over, I'm supposed to meet with the guy. And, and look here, I'd known him, B.C., that's before Christ. I knew him when, just knew him when I, just wasn't good. And I'm headed to meet with him about grazing some cattle. Now watch this. He's got a place of business, and when I walk in, I don't even think about it. I mean, I'm just dressed in funeral clothes, and I just walk in his place of business, and he's sitting there, and he goes, whoo. You're looking good. Intentional. I know the man needs Jesus. Intentional. I said, well, let me tell you. If you're going to tell a big old crowd of people they get caught dead without Jesus, you better look pretty good and you better look pretty reputable. If you tell people they're going to hell without Jesus, you would better just spiffy up a little. About five or six people in that place of business. He looked at me and he said, but there's a problem. I knew you before you got saved. I knew you before you as a preacher. And I said, therefore, you know there's a big change. See, he was going to poke the other way. But let me tell you, everybody that was in that business and him, they got Jesus preached to them. And if there's one thing I want to get across to you folks, be intentional. When the trucks come in, when the people come in, preach Jesus as you go. And all God's people ought to be saying, when's the last time you've told somebody about Jesus? Huh? So we got to proclaim Jesus. And then nextly, look here. The rest of the story, the other John 3.16, the salvation of Jesus. It says He's believed on in the world. It doesn't say He's believed in in the world. It says he's believed on. I believe the in and the on is significant change because it's not just Jesus in your head. It's Jesus in your heart. Believe with the heart and with the mouth confession is made. Huh? That the Lord is who he is and that God raised him from the dead. See, there's the salvation of Jesus right there. 
And here's what I want to say. And I want you to listen real close right here. Danny and Annette Hakes was both saved the same morning in the exciting Southeast Telequal campus. Annette Hakes passed away Friday. I went out there and got to see him Wednesday, got to pray with him. And I, I, I told old Danny, I said, man, boy, I'm sure thankful the morning you both got saved on the same day. That's what's going to make this day bearable. Now, I want you to listen to what Danny said. On the way to church the morning they got saved, please, everybody, listen to what I'm fixing to say. They had been coming to our church for quite some time. Here's, here's your way to, to preach as you go. Teddy Ridenhauer gets a lot of people to church. You know what he says? Why don't you guys come to our church? Now, you need to come at least six times, and after the sixth time, you'll either love us or you'll hate us. Now, you can't come one time because you might hate us. You can't come only one time because you might love us. When you come back the next time, you might hate us. That's what the Word of God does to you. Well, sometimes you love what's being said today, and sometimes, oh, I don't like that. But I think Teddy was pretty sharp on to say, give us six weeks, you'll either love us, or you'll hate us. Pretty good, pretty good advice. Pretty good lesson there. Well, they was one of them people that decided to give it the six-week trial. About the fourth or fifth week, look here. Here's what Danny says to his wife on the way to church. Don't miss this. Wake up, slap yourself, and get this. Danny looks over to her and says, Honey, if we don't get saved... If we don't get saved, this church thing is nothing but wasting our time. Honey, if we don't get saved, this church thing is just wasting our time. So what happened when they got church that morning? The Holy Spirit convicted them. And they're tired of wasting time. And they come forward and give their life to Jesus. I want you to look up here. There's a bunch of people that sit on your church pew Sunday after Sunday. And let me tell you what, you're wasting your time if you're not saved. And there's something worse than wasting your time. That's losing your soul to an eternal hell. Folks, there's people sitting on church pews. And I'm just going to be honest. You think about what Danny said. I've chewed on that. If you're not going to get saved, let me tell you, there'd have to be something way more funner than to do an hour, an hour and a half on Sunday morning. If, you're not, if you have no intentions and the Holy Spirit has spoke to your heart time and time again and you have no intentions of getting saved, you, you just think about how many hours you could enjoy life because one of these days you're going to be in torments. Talk about a waste of time. If you're here today, and you're not saved, won't you quit wasting time? And won't you quit taking a chance on where you'll spend eternity? Amen? And lastly, there's more to the story. This is the rest of the story. This is it. This is the other 316. There's the ascension of Jesus. Look at the last words. He was received up in glory. Huh? I mean, He came... He died, 
He was buried, and aren't you glad he resurrected? How many fans, Jerry Holman fans, are in the house? Jerry Holman, get them hands up high. Jerry Holman went to be with the Lord just a few, I mean, up and down the streets of Locust Grove, old Jerry Holman. One day I decided to picket Jerry. I used to picket Jerry when Charlie was still alive. You know, they rode bikes, him and Charlie. How many knew Charlie? Yeah. See, what I'd do is when I'd spot him in Foreman's or somewhere else, I'd jump on one of them's bike and take off. I was an honorary little old kid. I know that surprises you, but I'd do stuff like that. But as I got older, we become buddies. And so one day I come in, I just felt a little bit honorary, and Jerry was sitting there, and I said, man... What about old Jesus? Old Jerry raised up and he said, what about him? I said, he died. Yeah. I said, well, how in the world can he save us if he's dead, Jerry? He died. Well, now, Ral, he called me Ral. He said, now, Ral, I said, I'm just putting it to you straight. I don't know how he can save us if he's dead, Jerry. How can he save us if he's dead, Jerry? Ral. Ral, you know it. I said, I know what? He rizzed. <laughs> I never in my life had to put, heard it put like that. But I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad he rizzed from the dead. Because if he is dead, he couldn't save us. And after he rizzed from the dead, he ascended back to glory. And what he's doing sitting there at the right hand, number one, he's praying for his people. If you're saved, you're his people. And I've said it before, and I will continue to encourage you with it. It does us good to get a call, a text, or just to pass by praying for you, sis. Don't that do you some good when you're going through something tough? A call, a text, or just a tap on the shoulder and a hug and a whisper in the ear. Praying for you, sis. Praying for you, brother. That just does something, doesn't it? Well, how I'm going to keep encouraging you is them people do pray for you. They are heavy-hearted, and they pray for you when, when you're on their hearts. But Jesus forever lives 24-7 praying for us. What I would encourage all of us more than anything is to know the King of kings, the Son of God, is conversing with the God the Father on our behalf. Huh? That's good stuff. I, I mean, I, I always think about... Boy, Lord, I need a message. Lord, I need a message. Lord, I need a message. And he'll say, I'm praying. He's going to give you one. I'm praying. He's going to give me one. I mean, come on. I need you to intercede a little more up there. It's getting close. I'm praying. He's going to give you one. And then there's the other times. Hey, never mind. I got the message. I got the message. Don't worry about praying for me today. Okay, but you know good and well, since you said you got the message, I'm praying to him, and there's a pretty good chance he's going to change your message. <laughs> What I'm saying is I'm glad he's always praying for me because here's what I know. He's always going to give me the message, and if I've got the wrong message, he's still praying for me to give me the right message. You with me? But if you're here today and you're lost, you know what he's doing up there right now? He's pleading for the perishing because if you're lost, you're going to hell. He's not willing that any perish but all come to repentance. And he's praying on your behalf that the Holy Spirit would convict you. And he's praying that you would come and give your life to Jesus. If you've been sitting on a church pew, lost, you're wasting your time. 
And worse than wasting your time, you could lose your soul. Somebody in 2022 died that you didn't expect, and you could be the one in 2023. Can't stop death, but you can be prepared for it. Let's all stand. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. We have the rest of the story, not just a baby in a manger. It didn't stop at the incarnation. It stopped not at the cross. It stopped not at the grave. There was the resurrection. And it's not even going to stop with him sitting at the right-hand throne of God. It will stop when he comes and gets us the church. If you're here today, and you're not saved, don't waste any more time. Come and give your life to Jesus. And I pray that you'll be led to these altars by people that simply want to come today and thank God for this new year. That want to come and thank God for His resurrection. And I I pray that you'll be led to these altars by people that want to be like the angels, keep their eyes upon the Lord and ready and available for service. I pray these altars, lost person, you'd be led to them by somebody that's going to be proclaiming Jesus as they go. Altars are open. Father, I pray right now that your children will come and thank you for the rest of the story. Thank you for the other 316. Father, I also pray that someone that realizes they're wasting their time and they need to be saved will come today, giving their heart and life to Jesus. I pray it in your Son, His precious name. Amen.